0: In this series, what we've been doing is trying to ask two or answer two big questions. Those questions being, uh, what does God want to grow in us? And then the second question being, how does He seek to grow that in us? What does God want to grow in us? And how is He trying to grow that in us? And throughout this series, we're, this is, I guess, week four out of six that we're in. And so far, we've see, said in the last three weeks that the, the thing that God wants to grow in us more than really Anything else, the primary thing that he wants to do in our lives is grow in us faith. He wants to grow faith in us, trust in him. That's the main thing. Like everything else, character and moral and and morality and ethics and knowledge and all that other stuff, like that stuff is great. But those things, you can have those things. You can be a very moral person. You can have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. You can have a lot of that stuff and not even have a relationship with God. But faith, faith is the main thing that we need to be able to enter into a relationship with God based on what God has done for us, not what we have done for him. So it's faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's why faith is so important. It's the most important thing that God wants to grow in us. And yes, we enter into a relationship with God through faith. Ephesians 2.89 talks about that very clearly. But that's not where faith finishes its work. That our whole relationship with God from start to death and then all of eternity— <laughs> to some degree. It's going to be about us growing in our trust and our faith in God. And that more we give our life over to God that's tied to that is more we trust God. We trust God, we obey God. We trust God, we obey God. And so trust is always the most crucial element of what God wants to do in our lives, to grow our trust, our, our faith in Him. But what I want to do this morning, before we get too far down in the road of how does God want to grow faith in us, is I want to take a step back and do something that I probably should have done at at the very beginning of this series could have been helpful, and that is actually define what is faith. Like, this is what God wants to grow in us, but like, what what is faith? And here's the th- reason why I think that could be helpful is because I think if I passed out a three-by-five card to all of us in this room and we had you write out like a sentence definition of what faith is, I would be surprised if anyone wrote down the exact same thing. Like we all have different ideas of what faith is, and which is also interesting because no matter what religious background you come from or what your worldview is, we every worldview, every religion, everything, every system has an element of faith. And yet we don't really understand what faith is. And so what I want to just take a minute and just ask the question, okay, what is biblical faith? According to the Bible, I won't define faith for everybody everywhere, but for, for people who are trying to define it according to the Bible, what is faith? And so if you will... Like go go to uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. We're going to look at uh, a couple verses in that chapter and just kind of build out a definition of what faith is. So Hebrews eleven, starting in verse one. Also have the words for you up here on the slide. But before we get into that, let me just hit real quickly a couple things that faith is not. All right. So this is what faith is not. Faith is not. Faith is not a force. Faith is not a formula. Faith is not a power. Though we often kind of think about it that way. Like faith, guys, faith's not Star Wars. Faith is not karma. Faith is not some kind of formula. If you figure out you could get God to do what you want him to do. Faith is not, okay, I pray, I pray, I, I attend worship, and I read my Bible. And if I do that in the exact order, at the exact right time, then God will do what I want him to do. And like, that, like that, that, that's not faith. Faith's not a formula. It's not a power. It's not karma. It's not a force. It's not Faith is not this idea of like, okay, there's me and then there's this thing, kind of weird thing called faith, and then there's God, all right? And if I could tap into, like if I could tap into faith, and like I could somehow like get, get enough of that, then I can get faith to lasso God and turn God my direction and get God to do what I want God to do. Like that's not what faith is. Faith is not like this this like spiritual force that can cause God to be manipulated if we just have enough of it, all right? That's that's not faith. Also, faith is not the same thing as like confidence or hope. Though we often can use similar language when we're just kind of, you know, just talking and like, we'll say things like, I have faith or I believe, real you know, similar word is faith. It's the action of faith. Like, I, I believe that my team is going to win. Or I believe that I'm going to get this business deal. Or I believe that this girl is going to say yes, right? And like I believe, and really when we're saying like we believe something like that, it, we, what we're talking about is that we have this kind of mix of hope and confidence. Right? It's like, I, I really have some kind of hope that my team's going to win. or I have hope that this deal is going to go through. And perhaps you even have a little bit more than just hope. You have some confidence based on previous, like, past experiences. Or just some kind of, as you read circumstances, you're like, I think it's going to happen. Like, my team should be able to beat this team. Or, like, this deal, like, so far all the signs look good that this deal's going to go through. So it's this mixture of, like, hope and confidence. But biblical faith, guys, is not... An admixture of hope and, and confidence based on like past experiences or reading circumstances. That's not what biblical faith is. It's fine to use that kind of language. I mean, feel free, but just know that when you use that kind of language, you're not using faith in the sense of the way the Bible uses faith. So those those are the things. So faith is not power, or force, or formula. Faith is not confidence or hope. Faith, and the last thing I would just say is like faith, guys, it's it's not all that complicated. It's really not all that complicated. In fact, when I give you this definition, you might be like, oh, okay, like I thought maybe it could be, you know, maybe the Bible meant something more or more abstract than that or something kind of, and it's, it's really not all that complicated. Let me, uh, let me show you a definition of faith, the biblical definition of faith coming out of Hebrews chapter 11 and just kind of follow along with, with me here and we'll kind of build this definition together. So let me read verse one. Uh, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, And assurance about what we do not see. Okay? Faith, this is a good definition. Now, faith is, and it is, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in, or like feeling some kind of, uh, like being sure of what you hope for, which just draw your attention, means that faith and hope are not the same thing. Like, faith is hope taken one step further, right? It's being confident in it it's being sure of what you hope for now what would cause you to be sure about something that you're hoping is going to happen like for example like follow follow me here like if i were to call you and invite you to come to lunch with me but you didn't answer because you saw it was me, and you're like, I don't want to talk to that guy. But uh, yeah, so I leave you a voicemail, and I'm saying, hey, well, you know, I'm free for lunch on Thursday. Can you join me for lunch on Thursday? And I hang up the phone, leave, leave you the message, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope, I hope, I hope that they can go to lunch with me on Thursday. I hope they can go to lunch with me on Thursday. What would have to happen in order for my hope that you will go to lunch with me on Thursday move to having confidence that you're going to have lunch with me on Thursday? Like, what would have to take place? Now just, that's a clue, right? Just just hold on to that for a second. That's a clue of what biblical faith is. Then the second half of this verse is assurance about what we do not see, right? And like when he says see here, he's not just talking about like what we physically can't see. Though that can be a part of it. But he's really talking about assurance of something that has yet to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Well, what gives you assurance that something that hasn't happened yet will happen? Like again, Go back to the, you know, our fake lunch on Thursday, unless, of course, you want to meet me for lunch on Thursday, and that'd be awesome. But anyway, so if I call you Thursday, I'm like, okay, I am assured that so-and-so is going to meet me for lunch on Thursday. Like, what would cause me to say that as opposed to just saying, I hope that they meet with me on Thursday? Like, what would have to take place to take me to that step? What the writer of Hebrews does, guys, is that he says something really profound in the next verse. See, here, let me just read what he says. He says. This, talking about this definition of faith, this is what the ancients were commended for. And the reason this is such a profound statement is because what the writer Hebrews is saying is, this definition of faith that I just gave you, and we're trying to figure out exactly what he meant by it, is is something that you can really superimpose upon all the rest of Scripture. That in this sense, it's like you want to read about the heroes of the faith. You want to read about the, the people in the Old Testament who who like really honored God or really pleased God. You want to know what they were commended for? It's this. It's this thing, this faith, this what he's given us definition of. This is what they were commended for. And that he's giving you this definition of. Right in and see everything else in scripture through this grid like okay what did they please God what did they have that please God it was this type of faith which is like so you think about like Abraham and you think about uh, Moses and you think about Esther and you think about Mary and you think about Jesus or Peter or Paul like their faith like what is it What what is it that they had like just so commended for it's this which guys tells you like we need to know what this is and we should have some good understanding like a definition of what it is, because this is what God, like, commends people for, and it pleases God, right? So what is it? Well, he gives us a clue in verse 13. He says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things, and there's the, like, key word right here. They did not receive the things promised they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So between verses two and verse thirteen, he just starts laying out a bunch of examples of people who live by faith. And so he's going to uh, talk about Abel and Enoch and and Noah and Abraham. And then past verse thirteen, he's going to mention a lot more people, you know, Moses and a lot of others. And but he kind of gives a quick summary right here in this verse, and and he's just saying, okay, he, here's what you need to know. They hadn't received everything that God that that they had been promised, but like. Yeah, even some of them died before that happened, but they were still living by faith. Well, what was their faith based on? Well, it's that key word, right? Promise. Their faith was based on what God had promised them. So. Let me go back to the question I was asking you earlier. What, what would have to happen for me to say that I don't just hope that you would have lunch with me on Thursday, but that I would have like assurance of or great confidence in something that hasn't happened yet. What would have to happen for me to know that we're going to have lunch on Thursday? For me to say, I have faith. I believe it's going to happen. You would have had to call me back, right? And said... Hey, I'll be there on Thursday. I'll have lunch with you. And then I could have more, not just hope, but faith based on what? Your promise that we're going to have lunch. Well, guys, the difference between hope and biblical faith is, uh, the, or you, or another way you could say it's like the bridge between hope and biblical faith is the promise of God. That's the thing that takes hope one step further to something we can have assurance about or confidence in. It's, it's God's promise. Promise, all right? And so here's a good definition of faith, kind of just fleshing out what the author of Hebrews said in verse 1. It is, faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do all that he's promised to do. The faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do all that he promised to do. Like That's what faith is. The faith is not this amb- amb- you know uh, ambiguous, like, force that you're tapping into to try to get God to do something for you. And in this series, when we talk about God wanting to grow your faith and having big faith, the idea there isn't that like if you have big enough faith and you can get God to do something for you. The thing that causes God to be amazed by faith is not how big it is that you're causing him, manipulating him. Like that's not at all the in in fact Jesus says like famously faith the size of a of a mustard seed, like the itty bittiest tiniest faith, can still get used to be, be used by God to do incredible things. Why? Because it's not the how big your faith is that matters, it's the object of your faith that matters, which is God. He's the object of faith. So he can do it, right? Does that make sense? So when we're talking, God wants to grow faith in us. Faith is not this like separate thing. It's, it's, that faith is just believing that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do all that he promised to do. And when you have that kind of confidence, then that will glorify God and it will lead to a greater intimacy with God. Because God will like you will actually trust that God is who he says he is. And you're going to trust that he's going to do that all that he's promised to do. And so that's you've got this growing relation with him based on trust. On who, who he is. Like, that's a big deal. That honors God. That's why it's impossible to please God apart from faith. But pleasing God is tied to faith and amazing God, as we saw in the first couple of uh, uh, messages in the series. Like, we amaze God when we have big faith. Why? Because it's confidence in who God is. And what he says that he's going to do what he's going to do, you believe that. Like, that's what amazes him. That's what pleases him. That's why it's something that he wants to grow in us because it leads to a deeper intimacy with him, a deeper relation with him. It glorifies God when we believe that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he's promised to do. And, as we've said throughout the series, that also results in us being blessed. Like we, we are rewarded or we are blessed when we believe that God is who he says he is and he's going to do all he's promised to do. And, and here's what we mean by that is that When you take God at his word and you follow what he says, then you will be following the instructions, the wisdom of the one who is all wise and all good. And so you do what he says, not that it's not going to come without bumps and bruises along the way. But when you follow him in that area, you're going the best way. And that's where blessing is found. God is not going to tell us the wrong way to go. He just doesn't because he's good and he's all wise. He knows the best way to go and he's good enough to tell us that way. And so that's great. There's reward found there. That's good for us. And guys, when you believe that God is who he says he is, he's going to do all his promise to do, then that frees us from ever having to worry. It frees us from anxiety. It frees us from feeling like we got to be in control because we're believing. No, I'm not in control. God is in control. He says that he's or sorry. He's in control, and I'm going to believe that he's going to do all he's promised to do. And so I can let go, and I can, I'm going to be faithful, but I don't have to buy into the idea that I'm in control. Instead, I'm going to rest that he's in control, and I believe that he's with me. He's promised he's with me, so I have faith that he's with me, and so I'm going to be able to rest and know that the God who loves me enough to die for me is with me and will see me through anything. And it's like, okay. Hey, that's great. That leaves me less anxious. It gives comfort. Man, I can rest in that. Is that not a good thing? Is that not blessing? Is that not reward? It comes from having faith. And faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do all that he promised to do. Got that? So then the question becomes, okay, well, how does God grow that in us? Because is it on our, ourselves to like muster up that kind of confidence that God is who he says he is? He's going to do, all his problems. Like, do we have to just decide, yes, God is? Or is God at work showing us that he is who he says he is and that he's going to do all his promises? And the answer is, yes. God is at work showing us, giving us faith in him that we could trust him more. And the way that he initiates that most dramatically, as we've said, is through the cross. The G- that Jesus, that the Father doesn't also just say like, okay, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. That he comes, God the Son, and Jesus comes to the earth, lives the life that we were supposed to live, a perfect life. Dies the death we deserve to die, a death of punishment for our sins. And Jesus rises again three days later, and God says, look, you can trust me. Because of what I've done for you, I've shown you, I've initiated that I am trustworthy. So now... You can trust me. Look, I've shown you I am who I say I am. I do all I've promised to do. I promised that I would do this. I've done this. We think, like, okay, man, that's okay. Now I can trust you. And then God gives us what we need to be able to see that we can trust him. And then he continues that work in us the rest of our lives through different things, showing us that we can continue to trust him and growing that trust in us. And so we've said in this series, there's five key ways that he continues to do that. And, uh, first we talked about how practical biblical teaching that when we apply what God says, we see God's hand in our lives, it causes us to be able to trust Him more. That's a big thing. So we need to be in environments where we're hearing God's word taught, but not just taught so that we learn something, but taught and told, like, here, let's go put this into action and being helped to Apply it. And when we do, the God uses that to grow our faith. And then last week we talked about spiritual disciplines. And we said, man, we get, get time away with God. And we spend time with him uh, carving out time and, and giving money and all that kind of stuff. Those are acts of faith that God uses to actually grow our faith. And so the challenge last week, and I don't know how y'all are doing, but I want to encourage y'all, like a 30-day challenge, like give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars and let that God, let God use that stuff to grow your faith in him. And then this week we're talking about providential relationships. I'll get in that in a minute. Next week we're going to talk about personal ministry. And the last one is pivotal circumstances and all these things. What we've observed is that God uses these to grow our faith in Him. And like there's no list in the Bible that lists out like all five of these things. No, no, no chapter and verse where it's like God uses these five things and here's a priority and all that stuff. Like, you see them at play in scripture all the time, but this is just stuff that we've observed, that I've observed, that others have observed. Many pastors have written about like, these are five things that God just seems to naturally use to grow our faith in him. And that we, you know, it's not a to-do list really. It's just something that he does that we can then know about and look to leverage and allow him to use in our life. So the one we're talking about today is these providential relationships and, Out of, like, in my life, I see God using all five of these things to grow my faith in Him. But this one, more than any of the rest, I think has had the most profound impact. Just, just personally. Like, I just couldn't even begin to tell you my kind of faith story without beginning and talking about the people that God's used along the way to, to grow my relationship with God. And I doubt that you would be able to tell your story without mentioning certain people along the way that God used to grow your faith in Him. In fact, what I want to do, and I don't know if you're going to like this at all. If I was sitting in the chairs where you're sitting, uh, I would not be happy with the pastor if he asked me to do this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So just humor me and, and have grace. But what I want to do is just have you just take a second and turn to a person that you're sitting by that you don't live with. Okay. So you got someone that you're not already living with and talk to and just say, just share the, like a name of one or two people that God has used to grow your faith in Him. Now, let me also just say, if you're if you not a believer, you're not a Christian here today, or you're not sure about this whole faith thing, like, we're so glad that you're here. And so here's what what I would say is, like, don't feel like you have to say, here's someone who's helped me grow my faith in God, but why don't you point to someone who has helped you want to explore faith in God. Like, I take it if you're here on a Sunday morning checking this out, like, there's some kind of interest going on, and perhaps it's the person who invited you to come here, but it just, just, who has it? cause you to want to explore faith in God. So either share the name and maybe some, some context of who has really helped you grow in your faith of God or who's someone who's causing you to want to explore faith in God. And just take a second, turn to someone sitting next to you and share their name and a little context and I'll stop you after a minute or two. Everyone plays, Go. Y'all are all invited to lunch at Central Market after, uh, after the service today, and you can continue that conversation over there. I'm just gonna interrupt, but like, if y'all would ha- have asked me who, you know, who's impacted my faith in God, like, I would rattle off three names right off the bat. Ryan Shoemaker, Bobby Pruitt, and Adam Brunson. And I would, uh, I would say, like, God used those three, I mean, He used my parents big time too, but if, if I was just talking about others that, God's use, like those would be the three that came to mind. And a lot of them, the, all three of them kind of came at the same time in my life. I was in middle school, getting ready to go into high school. the summer before ninth grade. And uh, God had uh, uh, Ryan Shoemaker's family I got hired at the church that my dad was working at, the church I was attending. And Ryan was a year older than me. They were from Dallas. They moved here. And like we just connected. and at, And Ryan was the friend that I like... He he he's a friend that I didn't have. He was someone who loved God more than I did, but is also more fun than anyone else that I knew. And like I needed at that point in time that that mixture. Like I had a lot of friends who were a lot of fun, but they didn't really love God. And I had some friends that really loved God, but I just thought were as boring as could be. And like, but Ryan was just like perfect. And he like we just had we just hit it off. And God used Ryan in my life to just hugely impact my relationship with God. And then through Ryan came my relationship with Bobby Pruitt. My youth pastor really grew and then God really used uh, Bobby in my life to just have a huge impact on my on my walk with God. And then through Ryan also I became friends with Adam because Adam was actually one of those guys that I thought was super, like a really great Christian, but really boring. That's what I thought about him, but I didn't actually know him. So I was just a very judgmental person. And then Ryan and Adam became good friends and I started hanging out with Adam and I realized this guy is awesome. And Adam and I became really great friends and then we interned together every summer during college. And we served, Adam and I served right next to each other during that time and just loved it. And God used that relationship. Like Adam and I, like, I don't think if Adam was in my life, I don't think Midtown would be a church because it was Adam and and I, like he used Adam to cause me to have the desire to plant this church. It's like 15 years earlier, that's kind of how the dream came about. Like these guys had profound impact in my walk with God. Just huge. And they all were just like this really kind of providential element to it, right? Like, I don't know if you felt that as you're talking the story, but like tell, telling people your names that you've mentioned, but like at in the moment they enter your life, you're not thinking this is a providential relationship. We don't use providential hardly at all when we're talking about anything anyways. But looking back, it almost feels like, man, there's just like this, this like this providence. Like I wasn't out seeking these people out. They just kind of show up And this relationship forms and God like intertwines our life and then uses them to greatly impact my level of trust in God and my relationship with God. And it's just powerful, is it? Is it not? But the flip side is true as well, isn't it? Like, I'm not going to ask you to talk about this because it would just be mean. But if I were to ask you, hey, name somebody who has had a real negative impact on your faith in God. Many of us could probably come up with a couple of names. I have People that we've spent time with that, that kind of chipped away at our faith in God or had this real negative impact on how much we're trusting God and, and, and our relationship with him. And like, it works both ways, doesn't it? Here's what I think is kind of undeniably true and it's worth putting our finger on is that God uses relationships to grow our faith in him and that all of our relationships have some kind of impact on on our relationship with God. They can impact on the positive, they can impact on the negative, but God wants to use relationships to grow our relationship with him, to grow our trust in him. If you look at this principle played out in Scripture, you see it all over the place. Like you can th- just think about, okay, let's let's go to Moses and Aaron. Like Moses was called to, you know, to, to set my people free, right? And and, and uh, in Egypt, but he wouldn't go. So God brings Aaron along with him, and Aaron like helps. Moses have the faith to go obey God. That's a part of God using relationship to get us to trust God more. Or you think about Jonathan and David. You think about Esther and Mordecai. You talk. You think about uh, you know Jesus with his disciples, <laughs> of course, right? But then You think about uh, Paul and Timothy. Or Paul and Barnabas. Like throughout scripture, you see these pairs of people or these groups of people that helped each other grow in their relation with God. And God uses people to help people's relation with God grow or strengthen or faith get bigger. There's also verses in scripture that talk about this principle. Like for example, uh, Proverbs 13:20 is a real go-to. I used to use this verse all the time when I was a youth pastor. <laughs> this verse says, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And this is a this is a powerful verse written by Solomon, the wisest person, that, you know, that's lived and like he's saying, "Okay, here's a here's a promise and here's a warning." Promises, you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. Here's a warning, companion of fools suffers harm. There's this, you know, in the Old Testament, there's this kind of real spiritual concept with wisdom. We've lost a lot of that today, but Solomon's the guy who penned, like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And like there's this spiritual aspect of what wisdom is. And he's also saying when you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. Like it's going to impact you spiritually who you spend time with. And then the negative side of that as well. Painfuls of fools suffers harm. And again, we can think of people like most of us, the gr- biggest regrets that we have in our lives were not regrets or decisions that we made in isolation. There was someone else who was saying, yeah, this will be a good idea, or someone else encouraging you that way, or someone else in the context of that culture, the people you were hanging out with that had an influence on you to make those decisions that you really regret. And like, we can say, okay, yeah, like this is, there's this element, right? Who, we're, who we befriend Who we're in community with will impact our relationship with God. And God wants to use people to grow your faith in Him. Other ways that we see this in Scripture is like our faith is impacted... On a, like oftentimes on an initial side by how God uses people to introduce faith to us, to introduce us to God and call us to trust God. So you think about putting your faith in God, like who, usually that was someone who was telling you what God, who God is and what God has done for you and calling you to believe that. Think about Romans 10, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's like there's an aspect of God using people to bring people the message of faith and calling people to faith. Like that's profound. That's a huge way that God uses People to grow people 's relationship with him, of course, then there 's also the effect of modeling faith and how strong and how important it is that we would model faith for others. Think about Timoth- uh, think about Timothy and uh, his relationship with paul and i 'm studying the book of Second Timothy with a couple of guys in my huddle, and we 're reading this and it 's just over and over again that you see Paul saying to Timothy, "Hey, follow my example what you 've seen me live out, you live out do what i 've been doing and like Timothy, scared pastor, young guy, church, pastor Church of Ephesus, is thinking about his mentor and his faith that Paul had and the model of faith displayed for Timothy. And it affects Timothy to cause him to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to keep living this out. A model of faith, God uses that to impact other people's faith. Or another example, just someone encouraging faith in another. Like I think about Moses' charge to Joshua, Deuteronomy 31. Moses says, okay, here, Joshua, you're about to take the people into the promised land. Here's what you need to know. God is with you. Know this. God is with you. Here's what you need to believe. God is with you. Therefore, be strong and courageous. And Joshua, I think, had those words ring in his ears the rest of his life. That's someone, God using someone to encourage faith in another person. Guys, God uses people to grow faith in other people. <laughs> he just does. We know it because we've lived it. We've seen it in our own lives. And it's powerful. Which is why in our church, it's such a big deal for us to try to get y'all connected to one another. <laughs> and like, we don't think that we're in the business of creating providential relationships We can't form a providential relationship. That's why we use the word providential. Like it's this part of this aspect of God intertwining you with someone who you really click with and connect and is going to help grow your faith in him. We can't make that happen. But what we can and knowing this is how God works, what we can say is let's value getting together. Let's get in MCs together. Let's be in community together. Let's not just come on Sundays and sit in rows and have five minutes of breaks where we're grabbing coffee and expect that that's where we're going to form these really depth of relationships that God will use to grow your faith. That's why we say, like, let's get in a huddle or let's get in an MC or let's go today to lunch after the service and, like, hang out together or whatever it is we try to create environments where you can be around other people so that you can get to know them and see perhaps this is someone that God's brought into my life to help me grow in my faith in God. And so guys, what we'd ask is that you would, you would take that step because here's the thing. You have a choice in the matter, do you not? Like you have a choice. You can choose to opt in or opt out with Ryan, with Bobby, with Adam, all those guys at some point in time I could have just said, yeah, you know what, I'm just, you know, you're great, but I'm out. I'm not going to be a part of this relationship. I had a choice of whether I was going to continue time with them. When I did, God used that. We all have that option. That's the thing that I want to put in front of y'all, the challenge I want to put in front of you is, will you take a step? Will you sign up? Will you show up? Will you engage knowing that God could use that to greatly grow your faith. Now, there's one other aspect of this that I want to bring up before we, I wrap up, and that is, for some of y'all, y'all are very connected already. And you're like, okay, this is good, and yeah, this is true, and I need, you know, let's, you know, let's keep on doing what I've been doing. But for you, the thing that I would want you to continue like, to, to put in front of you to cause you to think about is, perhaps you need to be someone who makes themselves very available to be that kind of providential relationship for someone else. In fact, I would put this in front of all of us. If God uses people to grow our faith in him, and if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and you were saved for a purpose, and one of those purposes is to be able to be used by God to help other people's faith in him grow. And so for you to think, okay, this is true. I've seen it in my life. Perhaps, God, there's someone that you've placed in my life that I'm to be that for them. You know? I'm so glad the people in my life that have had a huge impact on me took the time to make themselves available to me that God would use them to grow my faith. And I know you are too. Could you be that person for someone else? Perhaps there's someone that as I talk about that, they already come to mind. Perhaps it's someone that you've been praying about, or like you walk by their cubicle at work and you and for whatever reason, they stick out to you more than everybody else on that <laughs> that you work around. Or perhaps when you drive by their street Their house on your street each day, they're the ones that, you know, you always notice their house. And you're like, you just feel this tug for. Or perhaps it's someone that you see on Sunday mornings or someone that you see in your MC or someone like, but you just feel this sense of like, I care about this person and I should care about all people, but I actually care about this person a little bit more than everybody else. And I don't know what's going on there. And I just would say, guys, pay attention to that. Perhaps that's God trying to get your attention that this is a person that he's put in your path and you are to be their providential relationship to help their faith in him grow. Because God uses people to grow faith in him. I've got a friend, Savannah. I asked her to come up this morning and share a little bit of her story on how God did that with her. And so, Savannah, if you don't mind, thanks so much for being so brave to... Share, share
1: for a second. I, uh, I moved to Austin around four years ago and I moved here as someone who was lonely and despairing. I also moved here as an atheist with an agenda. Uh, people slipped through my fingers as quickly as they entered my life. And my anger and cynicism turned many people away. I encountered one family, our Brunson's, who showed me what grace is. Adam and Kendall, um, knew me three years before I accepted Christ and uh, became a part of the church. Adam would help me with my car and visit me randomly at work. And um, while Kendall would cook me beautiful meals and show me the sweetest hospitality I've ever known, because <laughs> I didn't have friends like that. And um, I remember even telling my mom in a genuine state of surprise, like I couldn't say anything bad about those people. I talked bad about everybody. So um, they walked with me for three years and never pushed me away or gave up on me. And while I brought them baggage and negativity, they looked past those things and brought me to Jesus.
0: Like, that could be you, that could be me. Like, there could be people in your life right now that when you ask, if they were to ask the question that I asked you earlier this morning, a year from now, five years from now, the, the, the name that will come to their lips would be your name. Man, I'm so thankful for Brie. I'm so thankful for Chad. I'm so thankful for Ben. Like, God used them to greatly grow my faith. And like, I love Savannah's story. Like, Adam and Kendall pursued Savannah for three years. And there was a lot of awkward times. And I was working with Adam at that time. And he would say, Hey, I'm just going to swing by Starbucks. That's where Savannah's working. I'm just going to pop in and say hi. And I, I always thought he just wanted an excuse to go get some Starbucks. But he like, he was there, you know, to see Savannah. And like three years of that, and guys, it could be. God uses people to grow faith in Him. He's used people in your life. He's got more people in your life that I think He wants to use. Make yourself open to it. Connect, and then look. Who does God want to use you to impact their faith? Because He can. It's how He works. Savannah, thanks again for sh- for sharing. That story As what I what I want to do is just wrap up this morning with with a very specific challenge and that is, and is you'll have to figure out where you are on this, but if you're not connected to people. And maybe you don't. You're like, I don't have a providential relationship, but I also am not around a lot of other believers that love God and are trying to pursue God. And so, like, what I need to do is, I need to find a a community. I need to get connected, and maybe in that community, there's going to be someone or a couple people that God has providentially placed there that will he will intertwine with my life to to just radically help grow my faith. In Him, and so my challenge to you, if that's you, is to take a step this week, and like, don't put it off because you're going to hear this, and you're going to think, "I should do that, I should do that." But a week from now, you're going to have forgotten. And so, like, do it this week. Take a step. Get connected. One thing that we've started this Sunday, kind of purposefully, is we've got this meet Midtown thing in the back of the the sanctuary, and we're going to have some. People from the that lead our MCs back there, as well as some other people from our church, and just gives you a chance. So if you're not connected, come talk to us. We're aw- we're, we're awesome people. Can I say that? <laughs> We're friendly people. We're not going to scare you away, or we're not going to try to hurt you. Just come and get, get to know us. We'd love to get to know you and invite you in a way that we get to know some other people in our church that God could potentially use to really grow your faith in Him. That's my first challenge. My second challenge is this. If you're connected, you're growing your relationship relation to God, if God's using people to grow your relation with Him, then also please turn around and think, okay, is there someone in my life that God would have me be that person for? And if there is, this week, call them, text them, set up a time to get together with them. And sometimes it could be an awkward conversation. You're inviting them into a deeper level of relationship or you're trying to get to know them more. But do that in faith that, here, believe this. God's with you. He's present with you. And he wants to use you and he can use you to help grow faith in others. Just believe that and take a step out in that this week. We're going to wrap up our time this morning by taking communion, and I'm going to invite you all to come and, and get it in a second while the worship when the worship band starts playing. So if you're you don't have to be a member of this church to come partake in communion. We just ask that you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for forgiveness of your sins. Just come up here when they start playing and and get some of the bread and, and, and the juice, and you can take it back to your seat or pray with someone that you want to around here. But Here's what I want you to think about as you take communion this morning. I love that God grows our faith through people. Through relationships. Like this stuff that we've talked about so far, these practical biblical teaching and the spiritual disciplines, Like those are powerful ways that God grows our faith. But what's unique about Christianity is, is that God didn't just give us some sacred writing and say here's the stuff you need to know and here's how you you know you you know just like spend time with this to see if you can trust me. Like he could have done that. But God in all of his grace and in his relational nature left heaven came to earth as a man, lived amongst us. And God's Related to us. The way that we know that we can trust God is that God would come into our world and show us who He is, to tell us who He is, and then display it for, for us all to see in His death and His resurrection. And that, that God would not stay distant from us, but to come near to us. In fact, on the night that Jesus was going to be handed over to be betrayed, this is what he said to his friends, knowing what was about to happen. John fifteen twelve through 14 says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's, and I just can't believe he said this word, but for one's friends. And then he said, you are my friends. And this is the creator of the universe. He came that we, his enemies, would become his friends through his death on our behalf. And when we take communion, this is what we're remembering. Jesus' body broken for us, for you individually. And his blood, his blood spilled for you to usher us into a new covenant or a new relationship with God, based not on what we do for God, but what God has done for us. And because of what Jesus has done for us, dying for us, rising again, we can be called God's friends. I think that's why friends are such a powerful way that God uses to grow our faith, because it follows an exact pattern of how God came to show us that we can have faith. And to make it possible for us to enter into a relationship with him. God is a relational God. Displayed most clearly in Jesus. And he wants to use relationships to draw us closer to him. So as you take communion this morning, here's what I'd ask. I'd ask that as you you take it, just say, God, I know I can trust you. And though I can believe that you are who you say you are and that you're going to do all that you promise to do, I can believe that because of Jesus died for me, that I would be your friend. Just say that. Just in your mind, just think that's what I want you to reflect on. And then say, God, may you help me be a friend to others that their relationship with you would grow. And may you help me get connected to other friends that you can use to continue to grow my relationship. Let's pray. Father, so thankful for Jesus, we all are. And God, you would not stay distant from us, but you would come down to us, pursue us, that we could enter into a relationship with you based on what Jesus did for us. God, you're so good, and you're so great, and you're so awesome. And God, we praise you for the cross that through Jesus' his body broken, through his blood spill, we could become your friends. God, help us trust you in light of that. And God may, even as a step of trust, open ourselves up to more relationships that you could use to grow our trust in you all the more. And cause us to look around and believe that you can use us to help others' relationships in you to grow all the more. That we would do that because of who you are and what you've done for us. You know, I'm so thankful for, for Ryan. I thank you for Bobby. And I thank you for Adam. And the many others that you've used to grow my faith in you may... May you continue to connect us to others that will grow our faith. And may you make us those people that helps others' faith grow as well. We love you, God. Amen.